When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from Liverpool, The Dark Paranormal, Season 12. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal, Season 12, Episode 7. First and foremost, a huge thank you to everyone who's reached out to contact at thedarkparanormal.com with your feedback regarding the announcement that next season, season 13, will be a mix of your true listener experiences and some of the more famous and better known paranormal cases. Now, it's absolutely typical that when I announce that we will be mixing your experiences with the more famous paranormal cases, that we would receive our largest number of submissions to date. And it's so exciting and interesting, really, that when I receive an email, within the first paragraph, I tend to know whether this is going to go on the dark paranormal. But if what we've received so far is anything to go by, then collating season 13 is going to be one hell of a challenge. But it's a challenge I truly relish, and I thank each and every one of you for submitting your experiences. Now, don't let what I've just said put you off from submitting your experience. As I've said before, there's always room for the right experience, and we want to hear everybody's experience. Quite simply, as you'll find out on this episode, because sometimes there are things which correlate with each other, which simply send a chill down the spine. I appreciate that's vague, but when we finish today's episode, you'll understand what I mean. Now, as ever, we want to say a huge thank you to everyone who signed up to our team over at Patreon. When you sign up to Patreon, not only will you receive these episodes both ad-free and before everyone else, but you can also receive exclusive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites is a show which releases each and every Sunday of the year without fail, even on the downtime between seasons, meaning you never miss your paranormal fix. And I believe we're closing in on close to 50 hours worth of Patreon-only podcasts for you to binge. However, the best part is the community. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over on Patreon. And we'd love to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Now, normally at this point, I'd read the list of names of people who've joined our team. But like I said last week, we're on a small vacation. But don't worry. We'll be saying a huge thank you to everyone who signed up between now and episode nine on episode nine and that all important season finale. Now, if you'll recall, last week I promised a special announcement for today. And that announcement is this. From season 13 onwards, we'll be introducing midweek mini-episodes. A little 15-minute fix of fear midweek to keep you going until the next episode of The Dark Paranormal. Well, it is season 13. It kind of needs to be celebrated in some way. So we thought we'd introduce these mini-sodes. And our wonderful Patreon guys will, of course, get these early and ad-free. So I can't wait to start sharing these little tidbits of terror with you guys in Season 13. 
And on next week's episode, we have another announcement for you. However, some of you may already be aware what that is. But this isn't next week, and it isn't season 13. This is episode 7 of season 12, and we're about to hear one hell of an experience. And so please, lower those lights, make yourself comfortable, and of course, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about a life darkened. My name is Shannon. I'm 27 years old and I live in the Netherlands. I've never told this experience before in its entirety. I've told the summary to friends, some of whom were quite sceptical and I can understand why. If someone doesn't experience something like this firsthand it can be quite hard to grasp. My experiences started growing up in my childhood home. We moved there when I was around four. My mum, Tina, and my dad, Mike, only had me as a child, since my mother had some trouble getting pregnant with me. I remember them being really excited as we walked to our new home. The streetwalk at this point was still only sand. Some backstory on where we live in the Netherlands. We live on Flevoland, which is a man-made island, and not a small one either, but a quite big chunk of the country, right in the middle. They drained the ocean and found downed plains, sunken ships and things like that. It was basically a graveyard. In 1986, it became officially a part of the Netherlands, so we are talking a literally new land. I loved the house in the beginning. My room overlooked the backyard and the other houses. We lived in a terraced house, so we could hear if the neighbours were stomping around. I had a Barbie-themed room, which I was so proud of at the time, but less so as I aged. It was about a year into our new home that I started to have these terrible nightmares. Dreams of me running through a maze, trying to get to my parents or to other family members, but this man with a dark energy kept pulling me back. I never dared look back in the beginning, and a woman would always catch me in the end. She had brown, short hair, which was starting to turn grey, and blue eyes. Her arms felt safer and warmer than anyone else's. I woke up screaming almost every night. My dad was a truck driver, so he was gone for almost two weeks a time when we lived there. When he was home and he did hear my screams, he would always run into my room. And when I told my parents about my dreams, my dad always seemed puzzled. He didn't believe in anything paranormal at the time, and my mother was looking in shock at me, and then at my dad. I didn't understand why at the time. I just thought they found it scary like I did. Later on, I learned that my grandmother, my father's mother, had passed away around the time this lady began appearing in my dreams. They never really told me outright at the time that she died. They just said she'd went to sleep and was now a star in the sky. I'd never even met her. My mother got me a dream catcher from the market when I was around six, and the dreams actually seemed to calm down. Instead of having them every night, I'd have them maybe once in a while. It wasn't until I was about nine that I started seeing shadows in the hallway, close to my room. Layout-wise, from entering the front door, there was a long hallway with a downstairs toilet. Then, heading past the stairs, there was a stairway closet, and finally the door to the living room and the kitchen. Heading upstairs, you would find four rooms, an empty room that was filled with boxes, and my room was next to that. Then there was the bathroom, and across from that, my parents' room. We had an attic as well. Nothing like in the horror movies, no hatch in the ceiling, 
just another stairway leading to a big empty room. Well, empty except for our washer-dryer. And there was a balcony. But now you have a general idea of where we lived, back to these shadows. You see, I got so scared of these shadows that I started sleeping in my parents' bedroom, which didn't help. I would hear what sounded like someone sneaking in the hallway. The light was always on. My mother herself was terrified of the dark, and she would never turn the lights off. I knew it wasn't my mum. She was still downstairs. My parents had a television with a video player in that room, and I tried to distract myself by watching my favourite childhood movies, the Disney classics. It helped until I got so tired I turned everything off and laid down to sleep. But the sound of the footsteps did not stop. They kept getting closer and closer. I shot up in my parents' bed and looked at the closed door. It had a small gap at the bottom and a window at the very top of the frame. I saw two feet in the bottom gap. I called out, Mom, did you come upstairs? Nothing. The silence was heavy. I looked away at the videotapes and saw the mouths move on the figures on the VHS covers. I closed my eyes and rubbed them. I opened my eyes again and the shadow at the door was gone. But the mouths on the covers were still moving. I remember a heavy feeling in the air. I hid under the covers and just didn't know what to do as a child. It felt like forever before my mother came into the room and she said, Why is it so cold in here? Did you play with the window or something? When I heard my mother's voice, I started crying under the covers. I think she understood that something was wrong. She got me from under the covers and sat next to me on the bed. What happened? Why are you shaking? She asked. The mouths, I cried. They won't shut up. They keep smiling and laughing at me. Oh, you're just dreaming, Shannon, my mother said with an annoyed sigh. There's no one here to laugh at you. No, the videos. They've been doing it ever since the shadow showed up. I pointed at the video cases. Another sigh followed soon after, and she stood up to the front of the videos and said loudly, And now it's time for you to all keep your mouths shut. She stood there for a few seconds and then turned to me and lay down next to me. They won't do it again. Now get some sleep. I didn't know how to react. Did my own mother really not believe me? I know I was tired, but I knew the difference between being asleep and being awake, and I was wide awake. That said, her yelling at them seemed to have worked, because when I looked over, nothing was moving anymore but it was still really cold in the room and there was still a very uneasy feeling. I know I fell asleep at one point, but I didn't sleep in my parents' room after that. I began sleeping back in my own room with the dream catcher, but the nightmares started soon after. Me running in a maze trying to get to my family members, but when I would get close, this energy which felt like a strong wind would pull me back, and I would hear a man laughing. But once again, soon enough, I'd find myself in the arms of that woman. This time, I was bigger, taller than I remembered. She looked at me and spoke a few words, but it was like I was underwater. I just couldn't understand her at all. All I knew was, with her, I was safe. My father never showed me any pictures of my grandmother before. I think her death hit him harder than he ever let on. My dad's the type of person who swallows his sadness, or any emotion really, and carries on with the day-to-day. It wasn't until we went to France, to my grandfather's at age 11, that I learned more about her. My grandfather lived in a castle in France. 
yes, an actual castle. He had the job of upkeep, feeding the horses, etc. This castle was built in the 14th century, and it was reinforced and stable, but was largely the original structure. And I loved being there. It was open and had a huge garden with a massive forest attached to it. We spent most of our vacations there. My grandfather answered all of the questions I had about my grandmother. What was she like? Did she meet me? What was her favourite thing? I felt very connected to her, but I couldn't quite place why. Not until my grandfather got a big book full of pictures and showed me her face for the first time. I think he noticed my face. Shannon, honey, are you okay? He asked me quietly. Grandpa, this woman, and I'm shaking at this point, pointing at my grandma. She's the one who saves me from the scary man in my dreams. My grandfather's reaction really surprised me. Yeah, it sounds like something she would do, he answered. She was always very spiritual. She predicted her own death, you know. She always said, I'll never live past the age of 54. And she was right. I just looked at him, dumbfounded. Your grandmother's family were very religious, and they treated her horribly because she was able to tap into things. Things no one else could see. I never saw anything myself, but I can't deny all of the coincidences that happened. She would know if someone was about to die. She had dreams, nightmares. So Grandma knew she would die, I asked, still shocked. And where did she die? Right here, in this castle. My grandfather's face turned more sad. Her heart just stopped. Strangest thing was, I was outside and something in me just told me I needed to run back inside. We both sat in silence after that. Later that evening, I went to my bedroom area. To get to the bedroom area, I had to walk through a hallway, past a big wooden staircase. Then there were two kitchens on opposite ends. And then the doors to the bedroom would be in the middle. As I walked past the kitchens to get to the bedroom, I saw a woman standing in there. Since it was a castle with lots of people living there, I didn't pay her any attention, really. All I could see was a green shirt and short brown hair. But my God, did I have nightmares in that castle. Horrible things happening to people. People being stabbed, shot, trampled to death. And it only got darker. I was so used to nightmares at that point, I never really questioned them until much later in life. When I was 14, we went there with my cousin, Peter. Peter was a little older than I and never really believed in the paranormal. After we arrived at the castle, I guided Peter to the bedroom area and made sure he knew the layout and which room was his. There were multiple bedrooms, and he had the smallest one, with one bed, a nightstand and a small closet. I had the one next to his, and mine was big. A queen-size bed and a pink sofa against the wall facing the bed. I had my dog with me, a Rottweiler named Angel. So Angel slept on the sofa, but halfway through the night, she would always climb up on the bed near my feet. The next day, my Aunt Lillian joined us. I had no nightmares for the first few nights. I think having Angel with me in the room made me feel calmer, rather than being alone. But almost every day, I saw that same woman I'd seen in the side kitchen to the left, both when I woke up and when I went back to bed at night. I thought maybe she was making stuff for her family or cleaning, the weirdest thing was, she still had that same green shirt on, and her hair 
was still short and brown. It was like she never changed. I asked my grandfather once to wake me up early around 6am so I could help him feed the horses and go with him on his routine. He came to get me and he waited outside as I got dressed and we walked together past the kitchens. Again, that woman was just stood there. Grandad, who is that woman? I said when we passed. What woman, honey? My grandad stopped and eyed me up and down, almost like he was trying to solve a puzzle. The woman, the woman in there with the green shirt in the kitchen, I explained. I see her all the time. Is she a worker or something? My grandfather's face dropped. He looked like he didn't know what to say, and there was a tense silence for a few seconds, until he said, That's where your grandmother passed, Shannon. When did you start seeing her? I I think it was around when you showed me her picture. Grandfather looked me in the eye. Are you having nightmares? I nodded in response. What do you see in them? I told my grandfather of the maze nightmare I always had and the newer dreams I had in the castle, but without all the gory details. He didn't say much and went on to do the chores. Later that night, before going to sleep, we all started talking about legends of the castle. Well, I was hooked. My grandfather looked at me like he was trying to say, Go on. Tell them your experience. Well, I took the hint, and I spoke of the woman I saw in the kitchen. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step-by-step step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong-arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to-do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. When I finished describing my experience with the woman in the kitchen, my aunt's eyes went really big. Is she always in the same spot? Aunt Lillian asked. Yeah, with her back to me. I've never seen her face. Have you tried speaking with her? No. I, I thought she was a worker at the castle. I didn't want to bother her. And if she was a worker, she would only know French. I suddenly felt the urge to ask Grandfather a question that had been burning. Grandad, you said that Grandma's heart stopped and then you ran back inside. Well, what happened after that? A silence filled the room and my father's face turned almost emotionless. Well, his speech was slow, like he was hesitant. Your grandmother was laying on the ground. We didn't have mobile phones back then. Someone in the castle must have heard me yelling, and they called an ambulance, but nothing could be done. She was still awake when I found her, but not a minute later I knew she was gone. My aunt had tears in her eyes at this point, and my dad had this emotionless stare. We stopped the conversation right there. Peter was the first who went to bed, and I soon followed. And on cue, 
the woman was in the kitchen. I thought about speeding past, but something in me, especially after the conversation, told me I needed to stop and talk to her. So I stood at the edge of the kitchen. She had her back turned to me, short brown hair, green shirt, shorter than me, and now I also saw she was wearing black pants. She didn't move. It was like a statue stood in the kitchen. Hello? I said quietly. Grandma? Nothing. Not even a movement. This felt wrong. I was about to leave, and she slowly moved her arm up and pointed. She pointed towards my grandfather's apartment. I looked in the direction of the apartment and then back to... Nothing. She disappeared. I walked into the bedroom. I just felt drained after that. I didn't know how to respond to what I'd just seen. Even after reading what I've just typed out, I don't know how to feel about it. It sounds like it can't be real, but I saw it happen with my own eyes. Anyway, Angel still had to get her evening walk with my father, so it was a little while before she would join me for bed. I lay down and quickly fell asleep. Later that night, I woke up to growling. Angel, what is it, girl? I said, half asleep. I expected to see Angel on the sofa or by my feet. However, she wasn't. I sat up and looked around the room. Angel wasn't in the room with me. I heard the growl again, right beside my ear. I jumped out of bed and looked at the bed. Absolutely nothing. I looked around the dark room. Suddenly the light in the hallway turned on and I heard the paws of my dog coming closer to the door, together with footsteps. I opened the door and looked into the hallway. Lillian was walking with Angel towards my room. I was still trying to register what just happened in the room a minute ago. I didn't tell her about what happened in the room. Angel stopped in front of my room. Her lips curled up, and she started growling. I'd already walked back in the room, waiting for her to join me. Angel, what are you doing? I was always sensitive to energies. If I feel a negative energy, my hands go freezing and there's a vibe in the air. I can't quite explain it, but this was the first time I'd felt it this heavy. My aunt came closer to Angel. She tried to get Angel's attention to snap her out of it, but the dog seemed fixated on something. What happened, Shannon? I don't know. She just started growling when I went inside. This is weird, said Lillian. I don't like this. My aunt popped her head in the room and started looking around. She carefully fell for the light. On came the light and all the blood seemed to drain from her face. And I have never been snatched by someone so quickly. She pulled me out of the room, slamming the door behind me. Are you hurt? I just stood there dumbfounded. Are you hurt? No, no, I'm fine, Lillian. I kind of stuttered not knowing why she grabbed me like that. I just saw something behind you. Angel stopped growling, but was still stood in a protective stance. It was this dark shadow, stood in the corner. It was tall, so very tall. I don't know what it was, but it just didn't look right. What? I almost got a smile on my face because of my nerves. You saw a shadow in my room. Did you do something? My aunt snapped her head towards me. What are you talking about? Well, first you speak about the woman in the kitchen, and now this. What did you do? Well, I didn't know how to respond. I felt validated and scared at the same time. 
It seemed like my aunt really believed me. Well, I talked to the woman in the kitchen. Lillian gave a deep sigh. She didn't say anything back or, or like, do anything crazy, I said almost defensively. She just pointed towards Grandpa's apartment, and when I looked back, she was gone. Gone? Just vanished? Yes. Maybe she just wanted to talk to Grandad? My aunt looked overwhelmed at this point. No, Shannon, I think we should just get some sleep. But you're not sleeping in that room. Maybe you and Peter should trade. Oh, don't be silly, I'll just sleep in this room. Peter's probably fast asleep by now anyway. You probably scared off whatever that shadow thing was. I opened the door and... Nothing. Everything was as it was. And my dog did follow me inside. But she slept right by my legs, against me. Normally she would lay at my feet, but this time she was right next to me. The next morning we got up like we always did. I had no nightmares. Nothing crazy happened. I heard no more growls that evening. And when Angel and I walked over to the apartment, I caught myself looking into the kitchen. And there's no one there this time. I didn't know if that made me feel better or worse. Once we got to the apartment, Peter looked at me with glaring anger. Wow, I almost laughed at him. Cranky this morning, are we? Why did you keep me awake all night banging on the walls? I was shocked. What are you even talking about? I was asleep. Oh, of course you were. And I guess the laughter wasn't you either. I just went quiet. Laughter and banging on walls. I mean, sure, I like to mess with Peter. But nothing that would keep him up at night. That would be cruel. That wasn't me, Peter. I'd never do that. He just waved his hand as if to say whatever and drank the rest of his drink. Nothing else happened in the castle for the rest of that vacation. But back at my childhood home, things began escalating. When I was 15, I lost my grandfather, on my mother's side, to cancer. Before the call came in that he'd passed away, on November the 25th, 2011, I woke up early that morning. I looked in the mirror and my grandfather was waving at me. I didn't feel scared or sad. I thought I was still asleep. My parents got the call of his passing a few hours later. This was the first time I felt calm whilst knowing I saw someone that had passed over. But this would also be the last time I ever felt calm with something paranormal. I got diagnosed with social anxiety disorder when I was 17. Going outside was hard, making and keeping friends even harder, and I sank into a deep depression. Due to a lack of contact with people, I felt like they abandoned me when in reality, I was the one who didn't reach out. I stopped talking to them. My mother and I always had a complicated relationship. She had her own traumas from her childhood that she couldn't cope with. Whilst I was in this depression, I started to dream about this boy. He looked around the same age as me, and I felt safe and calm. We would talk about everything in life, and I started to call him James. I get shudders just thinking about him, and you'll soon understand why. James would invade my dreams on an almost nightly basis. If it wasn't him, then I would have a haunting nightmare. I was always stuck in the dark, walking from streetlight to streetlight, feeling something was stalking me. In my waking life, I started seeing more shadows in my house, in my room. So much so, I asked my parents if I could move to the attic because I was scared of sleeping in my room. Maybe a new room would be more relaxing, more calm, a change of scenery and whatnot. 
The only thing I would be sacrificing was a door. School was going horribly at this point. I basically stopped going altogether. The days I had a good day, I would go to school. Maybe once every two months. I had to redo an entire year due to my depression, which only made me spiral more. If I ever did go to school, then I would dream of James, and he would ask me why school was so important if I could give up on it so easily. I lived my life in a haze. I was completely on autopilot at this point. I didn't feel like I had a future, and why bother? Then suddenly, a great thing happened. I met the love of my life. Jonathan. He lived in America whilst I was still in the Netherlands. But for the first time in forever, he made me happy. I was completely smitten by him, and it was a mutual feeling. We started our long-distance relationship, and I started going back to school for a while, until it started. I started waking up with bruises, it started out small, with some on my arm. Odd, but not impossible. I could have lay on my arm the wrong way and woke up with a bruise. I also kept hearing things in the back closet that was built into the attic. I didn't pay it any attention. As long as I ignored it, I should be fine. James was growing less kind in my dreams. He became physical and possessive. The dreams I had that gave me hope and understanding would always turn into nightmares. I began to understand. This was not a dream my imagination had put there to cope with my day-to-day. -day. This was something else. I finally told Jonathan what was happening to me. I was scared he would find me insane. Maybe he would leave me. I sounded like an absolute nutcase. Thankfully, he was kind and asked me questions when things happened, how they happened, what I did in the moment. I answered them as best as I could. He then told me of his friend, Talia. She was a medium. She spoke to spirits and could feel energies. He passed on her number and we spoke on the phone. While on the phone, she and I spoke about what was happening to me. While I was speaking with her, I kept seeing red and yellow triangles. It made no sense to me. Talia told me, Whatever is in your room, it's claimed you as a prize to toy with you. The more you show it fear, well, the worse it will become. I don't understand, I said. Why would he do something like that? There was silence for a moment on the other line, and Jonathan then took the phone back. It's not a he, Shannon. Whatever is haunting you is, well, it's pure evil. So a spirit is haunting me for its own entertainment, I said. No, not a spirit. A demon. I went silent after hearing that. A demon? In my house? Well, that sounded far-fetched even for me. You need to stop giving it power by giving it a name, calling it he. The more you're attached, the more it can do to you. Talia came back on. It's in that back closet. That's where it lives. Talia started explaining exactly what it was. I feel the main area of the dark energy is in that closet. You need to keep it closed at all times and do not pay attention to what's happening. It will be hard, but you need to separate yourself from it. What if... What if it was hurting me? I was shaking as I asked. If it started to hurt you, well, then you're in trouble. 
Have you been hurt? I explained what was happening to me, and Talia fell silent. Okay, Shannon, you need to listen to me very carefully. You have an attachment, and this will not be easy to get rid of. You need to start separating yourself. If it's near you, yell at it to leave you alone. It's not welcome in your space. You are in control of your space, but you have to take control. Well, I started doing as she said, but it was hell. My life was already dark enough, and now a demon? Was I going insane? Sure, I've saw some things in my life, but nothing like a demon. I started to have more nightmares, more bruises, and eventually bite marks on my back. It was only getting worse and crazier. I partially hid it from Jonathan. I didn't want him to worry, and I didn't want to give whatever it was more attention than necessary. Three years into our online relationship, Jonathan sold his car, and after speaking to my parents, he asked if he could move over to the Netherlands. I was 19 at this point. I'd met the love of my life in reality. Maybe now everything would calm down. Jonathan was over for less than a week when we turned my old bedroom into our little game area. We loved playing video games together. It was one of the many ways we would spend time together whilst we were separated. A few weeks in and I walked downstairs, greeted my parents and made some snacks for Jonathan and I. My father was happy to see me happy and my mother was being her usual self. I had no nightmares, no bruises, no bite marks. All was good. Maybe it was all over. Positive thoughts flooded my head as I walked upstairs and heard Jonathan talking to someone. Jonathan is not scared of the paranormal. He would rather face it head-on than cower. Is this all you've got? A shadow? I heard him provoking something. I walked in the room to see Jonathan stood in front of the mirror. Come on, sucker. Show me what you got. Stop it, Jonathan. It hasn't bothered me since you got here. Oh, it has. There's a bite mark on the back of your thigh. I went pale. How have I not noticed a bite? Normally I would feel a pain or a burning. I touched the back of my thigh inside of my pants. And I did feel it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, Jonathan. Let's just ignore it. You're doing the opposite of what Talia said. He did settle down as we continued to play video games that night. When we went to bed in the attic afterwards, that night I woke up, but I couldn't move. I heard footsteps heading towards me. I tried to roll around and wake Jonathan up, but I couldn't move. The only thing I could do was open my eyes and look around, but I saw absolutely nothing. But the footsteps were still getting closer and closer. I got you now. I heard a male voice whisper in my right ear and then a great pressure on my chest and legs, like all over my body, as if two hands were exploring everywhere. I tried to move, I tried to scream, anything to make it stop. Suddenly, I shot up in bed, covered in sweat, and I started to shake Jonathan awake. I tried to explain what happened, but no words would come out. But this was enough for him to get up and stand in the middle of the room. I dare you to play with me instead. I was still shaking in our bed. Target me instead, you weakling. It was quiet after that. Nothing happened to me for quite a while. But now, Jonathan started to be targeted. But he just got angry when something happened, not scared. One day, we're standing on the attic balcony as Jonathan was smoking, and we're both just talking and having a chat, when we hear a very charismatic voice say, Just jump. 
it won't hurt. Whatever physical abuse was happening, it was now turning into mental torture. Like a little voice in the back of your head. A year into our relationship, I became pregnant. And both of my parents were so excited. We had a healthy baby boy, and for now we'll just call him Bob. We turned the games room partially into his room, so we could be with him at all times. We were in love, and we were in love with Bob. I started going back to school six months after his birth, and things were looking up. No bruises, no bite marks. We didn't have to worry about that thing anymore. That was until it started again. I was walking upstairs with Bob in my arms, and I went into his room, put him in his crib, and started humming his favourite song. Suddenly, I saw a movement in the corner of my eye. I looked back and saw a shoulder in the doorway. I walked over, and it slid away right before I reached it. I looked around the corner, and nothing. I walked back into the room and continued humming. That's when Jonathan ran up the stairs and stood in the doorway. What's the matter? I asked him, confused. You tell me. Something was just growling on the baby monitor. No, that was me humming. There was no growling here. But it didn't take long for me to put it together. Whatever was messing with me was now manifesting and it seemed to be going after my son. Well, no way. This is where I drew the line. Mess with me all you want, not my child. Over the coming weeks, it started to manifest more and more in the corner of my eye. Shoulders in doorways, shadows on the wall, knocking on the wall. As Bob got older, around a year old, he began to point at things in the room... Sometimes he would get scared and start crying, and we began hearing more things on the baby monitor. Growls, whispers. The lack of sleep was getting to both of us. One day, I'd had enough. I stood in front of Bob's bedroom door and stated, You leave my son alone. Mess with me all you want. I'm done with you doing this. You're not welcome here. Go be a terror elsewhere. Silence. Utter silence. I suddenly saw movement in the corner of my eye, and I looked at my parents' bedroom door. Inside of it, I saw a dark shadow starting to grow. But I was not going to back down. You are not welcome here. Leave. In the window, I saw a face... This face was pure white, with black cracks across its face. Its eyes were red, a deep red. A smile that was far too wide for its face. I heard laughing, a maniacal giggle. Leave! I started to shake. I'd never seen it. Only a shadow, never a face or anything like this. You're not welcome. I blinked and I didn't see it anymore. I quickly went into Bob's room and sat in the chair next to his crib, still shaking and catching my breath. I tried to think about what I just saw. I told Jonathan about what happened and after that, both of us didn't have much happen to us. A year and a half later, we had our baby girl. Our family was complete. We looked for our own place. Living with my parents this long was not planned, and neither were the kids, but life is funny. We finally have a new home in a nearby town, and we didn't get bothered by this entity anymore. In our new home, though, we know we have an invisible guest. We hear walking downstairs if we're upstairs. The doors open, things like that. However, there are no negative feelings. Nothing like what we felt at my parents. However, I do still live in fear. It. 
when I least expect it, will find me once more. Shannon. Shannon, thank you so much for this detailed account of your true paranormal experience. Now, at the start of this episode, I said it's pivotal that we receive as many submissions as possible, because on occasion, we will find correlations between certain experiences. Now, I'd like to refer you back to episode 5, Devon's experience, and also remind you of what Shannon just described. Firstly, Devon's experience from episode 5. She described the entity that she encountered as follows. His face was all white. It looked like his face was cracked, with black underneath. Shannon describes her entity. This face was pure white, with black cracks across its face. Now, both of these experiences have sat in my inbox for months, so it's not like one could have heard the other's description. Also, one is in America, one is in the Netherlands. I don't think I'm going too far out on a limb to state that these two people could be describing the same entity. But tell me what you think. Email us. Contact at the Dark Paranormal. And so that wraps up episode 7 of season 12. For our Patreons, I'll speak to you again on Sunday for another instalment of Dark Bites. And for everyone, I'll speak to you next Friday for episode 8. Until then, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time, here on The Dark Paranormal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.